Hey, good morning, Lead Church. How's everybody doing? Good, good. It's good to be in God's house with you. Hey, could I get the back of the room to do me a favor? Would you all just make your way this way? The only thing I need back there is somebody running the slides. Everybody else, just come on up here. Let's, uh, let's be family. Can we be family? All right, good, good. Yeah, back there, oh, I'm talking to you. No, if you're in a chair, you're good. I'm talking to the, the back of the room. We're all family. Come on up here. That's what I'm asking you to do. So, hey, is it good to be in God's house? Awesome. Hey, open up your Bibles, and uh, we'll get started here. If you want to follow along on um, uh, lead.church, we've got our notes on there. You can follow along with me there as well. But uh, it's good to be in God's house with you this morning, and I'm excited about the series uh, because this is what I know. I don't think there's anybody in this room that doesn't want to be better, right? I think all of us desire somewhere innately inside of us to be better. We want, to be, we want a better family. We want a better house. We want... Uh, to be a better husband, some of us just want a better husband, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get somebody this morning, all right? Um, you, we want to be better parents. I know this morning I was just having a conversation with, uh, with my son. I had asked him a question a couple weeks ago, uh, and, and I just I, the, the question was sincere out of my heart. Was, Christian, uh, how can I be a better dad to you? How can, I, how can I do better by you? Not saying that I'm a bad dad, but how can I do better? And so him and I were having a conversation about that this morning. And just, so there's a drive in us. Some of us, we want a better paycheck. Come on, somebody. Amen. We want better. We do. And uh, we're going to continue talking about that this morning. But the list of things for better, it, it, it never ends. It, it always goes on. And uh, we want to be better because, listen, when we get better, here's what we discovered last week. When I get better, what happens? Everyone else around me gets better as well. It, it's, it's not just me that's better, but those that are around me connected to me are better as well. You know, see, I, I kind of thought of it this way this week. We don't pay for mediocrity, right? Nobody shows up and says, man, I want to see a mediocre sports team. Anybody with me? If you've ever seen junior high sports, you know what I'm talking about because it's painful shelling out. You wouldn't shell out money unless it was your own kid, right? Because you're like, this is just painful to watch. I don't want to shell money out for this. But how many of y'all know we will spend money on excellence. We will spend money on elite. We'll do it. Thousands of dollars. I couldn't believe some of the, the money people put down on a ticket to go to a sporting book because there's something in it. We see that and it's a drive. It drives all of us. Did you know this? There, there's such a drive towards better in our culture that in 2018, I don't have numbers for last year yet, but in 2018, almost $10 billion was spent by people wanting to get better on self-help. You know what I'm talking about. You go to Barnes & Noble and you just see book rack after book rack on self-help. And, and with all those billions of dollars spent, with all that money that you see being spent, billions of dollars on getting better, I don't know about you, but I look around the world and I'm like, I don't know that it's working. Anybody with me on that? I, I look around the world and I'm like, I don't know that I'm living in a better world that we just spent $10 billion on getting better in. I just, you know, you look around and, and here's the truth. We, you, you look around and you see there's so many social diseases now. There's, the suicide rates are up. You know, sex trafficking is a common story that unfortunately we're having to deal with. 
with. Poverty is increasing. Genocide is still very real in cultures around the world. Slavery still exists in various forms. I don't see $10 billion worth of change. I'm like, God, there's something. here, And here's the truth. And the reality is this, that you can't make yourself better. You're welcome. You can go home now. <laughs> you, you can't make, you see, no one's solution for you, with the exception of one that we'll talk about today, is going to make you better. And, and we can try. We can look at, you know, the, the, the challenge is this. Why doesn't it work? Because inherently the foundation is flawed. The foundation for better in the society that we live in is fall because we think that we're the foundation. We think that we're the one that needs to fix it. You know, my father, uh, I grew up as a carpenter's son. Um, and, he, man, went on many jobs with him throughout my life. And he built many houses and, and did lots of construction efforts. And, and I, I'm an impatient person. If you don't believe me, ask my wife. It's something that the Lord's still working out in me in fear and trembling. But I would get frustrated because watching dad build, he would spend an enormous amount of time focused on what? The foundation. Because the foundation, if you don't get that right, how many of y'all know every, in this building, what's the most important thing in this very building that we're in? It's the foundation. Because if the foundation isn't right, everything else around it crumbles. And I, I just remember not long ago, dad came down and he actually helped me put a deck on the back of our house. And this is the thing about my dad. The way my dad builds, listen, if dad built it, you can put 10 elephants on it. It ain't going nowhere, right? And, and sometimes even to like the extreme, like I'm like, dad, like there's only going to be a few people on this deck. Like we don't have to, you know, we're not like, you know, putting elephants on it, you know. But, but he, I, I would get frustrated because he'd spent so much time laying it out and making sure it was square, making sure it was going to, you know, hold a load. And I'm like, Dad, there's going to be a grill on this in like six people maybe. Like, let's start laying down lumber. And he's like, Josh, if you don't get the foundation right, it's all going to just, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And I'm like, he's right. And sometimes the, 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 what I'm trying to get in your heart is we've got to slow down and focus on the foundation spiritually. Because Jesus talked a lot about our foundation. He spent a lot of time, as we're going to discover in his word, talking about this idea of foundation. He says, hey, listen, all this stuff that I'm telling you, if you don't get the foundation right, it's not going to go well for you. And, and, and Jesus, actually his first message, we, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. It wasn't known as that back then. It was just Jesus' first message. But in the Sermon on the Mount, it starts in Matthew chapter 5. But then he gets into, in, in Matthew chapter 7. Again, Jesus didn't know it was going to be in Matthew chapter 7. He's just teaching his heart. But he talks to us about Foundation. And, and, you know, a lot of people say this about uh, the first message that somebody uh, shares or teaches. It's their life message. It's, it's kind of what their, it's their DNA. It's kind of the life message that they, they live. And if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, if you really study this out, this is the life message of Jesus. Literally from chapter 5 all the way through 7, it's Jesus' life message. I want to read a little bit of it to you because, again, he talks so much about the importance of our foundation. You guys know this well. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, he says this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house 
on what? On the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the, oh, you guys are, I'm, come on, on the there you go, lead church. Come on, man. All right. Then verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. You know, th this, this story actually takes me back to my childhood in, in junior church, and there was a song that we would sing regarding the rains came, you know, and, and I don't know, anybody with me on that? Anybody remember that song? Yeah, it, it, it takes me back to those days, and I'll be honest, there's a part of me that misses those days because we were really teaching the Word of God and learning that with a felt board. Come on, somebody. Every, nowadays, we think we need lights and cameras and videos, and dude, I had a felt board, and Jesus was was kind of cut off a little bit. We had to keep taping it back together, you know. And so I remember those days, but I remember the truth of those days because it got in my heart. And the truth is this, that much of what we think and much of what we feel and, and much of what we believe, it isn't based on the foundation of truth, the Bible. It's not. It's, it's great advice. It's self-help. You know, it's $10 billion worth, but it's not based on this. And then we wonder why there's no change. In our life. And, and we learned last week that better starts with a choice. That the, the greatest gift that God gave you and I is the ability to choose. And, and better starts with a choice. Everybody say that with me again. Better starts with a choice. He, he's given us a choice not, not to live by our design, but by God's design. And his design is very clear. It's the Bible. It's, it's, his, it's his blueprint. It's his foundation for our life. And God has something much better for all of us in store if we will apply his truth, his word, to our life. Actually, here's what the Bible says. This is kind of a review of last week. Isaiah 55, verse 8 says, For my thoughts, what are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As high as the heavens are, are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. He's way bigger than you. He's way bigger than me. And God says, listen, this is what you build your life upon. So where do you think in this culture, where do we think we learn about who God is and what he thinks and what he thinks about you and what his plan is for your life? The answer is simple. It's this right here. It's the word of God. And can I say this about God's word? It's more readily available to us today than in any point in history, yet sometimes we never get our nose in it. Why is that? It's so much more of it. I mean, you literally can have it on your phone any moment of the day, yet sometimes we never get into his truth. I want to talk about that today because for the next few moments, what I really want to look at with you and what I really want to talk through with you is the importance of his word in your life. And, and again, I know I'm talking to a room that gets this and knows this, but I'm also talking to a room where 80% of us struggle with this. We like to live life according to our plan rather than his design. And so I just want to remind us, in fact, 2 Timothy 3.16, it says this about Scripture. It says that all Scripture, everybody say all Scripture. You see, you can't cherry pick God's word. Let me just, let me just, before we go on, let me just say, a lot of us, we like to flip to what feels good. 
We're like, oh, 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 I'm not going to, hey, let's go back over here to Psalms because that just lifts me up. Right? We do that. But we can't cherry pick God's word. We can't say, I'm going to take this part and I'm going to take this part and I'm going to leave the rest here. You know, one time I did a really bad illustration as a youth pastor, and I, and I, I started tearing pages out of the Bible. I, I took an older Bible, and I would tear a page out. I was like, I'm going to keep this, and I'm going to keep this, and then I'm, I just threw the rest of the Bible. My, my senior pastor told me, don't ever do that again. Uh, he says, you don't disrespect God's word that way. But, but that's what we do. A lot of us live life where we cherry pick God and say, I'm going to take this page because it feels good, but I'm not going to take this truth because, uh, that rubs wrong. That rubs deep. That, that hits a nerve that I, I don't know that I want to deal with. But 2 Timothy, again, all scripture, say all scripture again. It's inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in what? Yeah, that's what we're seeking here. If you're confused about why we show up on Sunday mornings, we're seeking righteousness. We're seeking truth applied to our life. And he says, listen, it's for reproof, it's for correction, it's for training, it's for teaching, all those things in righteousness. Because that's ultimately what I've called you to. Not to be a bodybuilder, not to be the greatest speaker on the planet. No, no, no. I've called you. I'm drawing you out of sin, out of slavery, and into righteousness. And there's only one way to get it. It's the word of God applied to your life. Okay, let's, let's go. So what makes the Bible valuable? Why is the Bible valuable? Let me give you three things. I'm sure there's more, but here's, let me give you three. Number one, you can talk about this in small groups today or this week, but number one, the, the Bible can be trusted. The Bible is the most trustworthy thing that we have on this planet. Listen, it was written, watch this, just some facts about God's word. This was written by nearly 40 authors, including kings, priests, farmers, lawyers, tax collectors, and fishermen, written by 40 different authors. Over 1,500 years it was written in three different languages on three different continents this was written. This is very interesting to me because the entire Bible has been translated into over 531 different languages. Portions of it have been translated into over 3,000 different languages. Not only is the Bible the bestseller of this year and last year, it's the bestseller of every year that it's ever existed. Nothing even comes close to how well this has marketed this world that we live in. But that's not all. Let me take it a step further. The printing press, the Gutenberg printing press was literally created not to make a self-help book. It was created to make the word of God and get it into the hands of people so that this life-changing truth could change you. And so every book that we read today in modern book form, listen, it is a result of somebody saying, we've got to get this printed and into your hands. The Bible is the greatest book that has ever been written. The Bible changes our perspective. It changes our worldview. It, 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 un, it unchallenged assumptions of our life are changed by God's word. We have to get it in us. The Bible, let me tell you, one of the, the two things that I hear 
the most when it comes to reading the Bible, I hear two excuses. Can I tell you the two? You might even know them. You can probably tell them with me. The first one is, I don't understand. I, I, I don't understand what it says. Fair point, okay? But can I just encourage you as a pastor... How many of you would go home this afternoon and your son or your daughter who's in school says to you, man, mom, I just really don't understand math. I don't understand history. I don't see what this book is telling me. And you would say to them, ah, you're right. Just quit reading it. We wouldn't do that. What would we do instead? We would say, no, 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 no. Hey, listen, there's truth in here. Let me help you apply it to your life. Let's look at it closer. Let's dissect it. Let's get into it and see what it says and so you can understand how to apply it. But sometimes we like to use the excuses, I just don't, I don't understand Second Chronicles. It doesn't connect with me. Can I, do you see how obtuse that thinking is, especially in the culture that $10 billion was spent on self-help. And so, listen, let me say this about understanding the Bible. Here's the easiest thing that you need to understand about God's word. It is the story of your creator from page one until the last page of your Bible. It shares the story of heaven and how God rescued humanity when in a hopeless world. Every story comes back to that, and that's why it's inspired by him. The second excuse that I hear often is I don't have time. Again, let me challenge you, when we say things like, I don't have time for this, or I don't have time for that, I'm too busy, what we're really saying is this. What we're really saying is because the reality is you have the same 24 hours that I have. Does anybody have 25 hours? If you do, please talk to me after service because I need that hour. But we all have the same 24 hours in a day. And so when we say I don't have time for this or I'm too busy for this, what we're really saying is that something else is more important. Something else is more significant for my time to be devoted to than this. Do you see how that changes our perspective on this? When I say I don't have time. You know, I'm just, I'm so busy I don't have time to sit down. Listen, we all have the same amount of time in our life. And the time for what matters most, is it, it shows up in what we give it to. Can I tell you, man, the Bible is God-breathed. God literally breathed. In other words, he spoke it into existence, into the prophets and the, all those different people that I just talked about that wrote it. God spoke this into existence. Who would not want a direct line to God, kind of the red phone in the Oval Office that you pick it up and boom, immediately you've got God on the other end telling you what you, who would not want that? We all would want that in our life. And if we really believe that that's what the word of God is, is anybody with me? We believe that, that that's what God's word is? Listen, why don't we value it more? Why don't we value this more in our life? Number one, God, the Bible can be trusted. It is God-breathed. It's God-ordained. Number two, if you're taking notes, the Bible is life-changing. It's life-changing. I'm glad somebody said yes. The Bible is life-changing. Oh, you're just not with me today. The Bible is life-changing. 
Am I in a room that anybody's had their life transformed by the word of God? Well, maybe not you, but let me tell you about me. My marriage has been transformed by the word of God. My children have been transformed by me becoming a better me because of the word of God applied to my life. My health has been, listen, I'm talking a lot about running right now. And I've, I'm, you're probably sick of hearing about it and sick of seeing posts. Listen, do you know where that came from? Not because I thought I was able to do it, but the conviction of the Holy Spirit said, your body is a living temple. Get out there and make it healthy. It's the word of God applied to my life. The Bible is life changing. And we have to get this truth in our heart. See, most people think that the purpose, here's, here's the challenge with this. Most people think that the purpose of reading the Bible is to get information. To get information, give me information, because, again, that's the culture that we live in. But that's not the main goal of God's word. That's not the purpose of the Bible. The problem with that approach is that it makes the goal learning knowledge. Now, listen, knowledge is important. Solomon talks about how important it is. He says, listen, if it costs you everything, seek wisdom, get knowledge. I'm not downplaying that. But if that's the only thing that we're going after here, we're missing the greater good. You see, it's not about learning knowledge. You don't read the Bible. You know what happens? The Bible reads you. You don't read this. It reads you. Because I don't know about you, but I've been flipping through this before, and there's been things that are so far removed from my mind, and the Holy Spirit brings it back up and says, Josh, uh, I'm talking to you right here in this, and you might want to pay attention. The Bible reads you, it reads your heart, it reads your life, it reads your soul. And I'm telling you, it changes you. Our heart should not be saying, teach me, as much as it should be saying, change me, when we're in God's word. James 1, speaks to this. Let's look at it together. It says this, do not merely listen, everybody say listen, to the word. And so deceive yourselves. Now, let's be, let me be clear. It's talking about the word of God. Do not be, be, merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. What? Everybody finish this with me. Do what it Yeah. How many of y'all would like to get your teenager to do that, right? You're like, oh, come on, somebody. But then it goes on, verse 23. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror. Can I just be honest? I don't like this. The older I get, I don't like this analogy, but this is God's word, okay? Uh, looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, I, I, I like to remember what I used to look like. Anybody with me on that? Glory to God. I stand with Jesus. <laughs> mercy, God. Mercy. <laughs> goes on in verse 25. I want to camp here for a minute. It says this, but whoever looks intently, everybody say intently. You hear the language in this? It's not just casually, not just, oh, it's Monday morning. Let me do my five minutes. <laughs> no, no, no. You're missing it. It's not about the time. It's about the quality of the time, though. Uh, any, anyone who looks intently, again, say intently, into the perfect law, the law being the word of God, that gives freedom. Everybody say freedom. Is there anybody in this room that desires freedom in your life? That desires some freedom that has held you captive and bound, maybe in your mind, maybe in your thinking, maybe in other sinful areas of your life. And you're like, God, I just, I can't break free of this. I want free. Does anybody hear me this morning? Do you want some freedom in your life? This is what he's talking about. 
So when you intently look at this, intently means with a purpose. Get into this and apply it to your life. The perfect law gives freedom and continues in it. Because here's the other struggle. I know that some of you, you've gotten in God's word. And you've started to apply it to your life, and then the devil throws you a curveball, and you think that you're disqualified. You think that you've fouled out, you think that you've timed out, and you're like, ah, I'll just set it aside because I, I just blew it. I've read what God's word says. There's no hope. L- listen, keep at it, keep at it, and continues in it. Don't give up. The fight, continue in his word, not forgetting what they have heard, but what? Doing it, they will, come on somebody, here's the blessing, they will be blessed in what they do. Do you see the truth of James here and what he's delivered to us? He says, listen, stay the course, be intent on getting God's word in your life, because if you do, And if you don't give up, if you continue in this, there will be blessings multiplied out on your life that you in this moment don't even know are coming. That you don't even know exists. God wants to bless you in it. But it's all coming back to you being applied to what my word has said in your life. Let me say this, it's it's not propositional truth, it's relational truth. I have a relationship with this. In other words, it's not just saying, yes, that's true. It's no, 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 that's true for me. There's a difference. Number one, the Bible can be trusted. Number two, the Bible is life-changing. And number three, I want to land here, the Bible is a weapon. It's a weapon. I love Hebrews 4.12. It speaks to this. It says, for the word of God is alive and active. Everybody say alive and active. Come on. Alive and active. Be alive, lead church, because the word of God that is on the inside of you is alive and active. If you're sitting there like a deadbeat and you feel like you have no hope, that's because you're putting your hope in yourself instead of the word of God. Because the word of God... Does anybody hear me? Because the word of God that is on the inside of you is alive and active in your life. I hope somebody's getting this. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. I don't know about you, but the heart of Josh Watson, let me just confess, is desperately wicked. Bible tells me that. Listen, don't just judge me. That's your heart too. It's desperately wicked. And it is only God's word applied to it that I find righteousness in my life. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. You see, sometimes you don't know the right way to go or the right thing to do or maybe because of your family or your origins or maybe experience the lives of the enemy, whatever it is. Listen, all those things, the key is knowing God's will and it's only revealed by getting this in us. How many, and just in closing, by show of hands, that you want to know God's purpose and will for your life? We all want to know that. How many would like to know the difference between fact and fiction, the difference between outside outside of your feelings, outside of your emotions, completely indiscriminate of your emotions, 
you want to know God's will. God, not am I thinking this up? Am I conjuring? This? No, no, no. I want to know your. Listen, He says, I'll do that for you. I will divide soul and spirit, and I will make it very clear what my word is saying. Now, listen, don't hear what I'm not saying this morning. It's a famous phrase of mine. This is not a club for Bible thumpers to go around and hit people on the head and beat up culture. And there's a lot of that. Let me just talk to that for a minute because I I hate when I see God's word misused. God's word is relational. And if you're one of those that are getting online and beating up everybody that disagrees with you and doesn't have the same political opinion of you and you're using God's word to do it, can I tell you you're missing the point? Because just because you're sharing truth, if there's no relationship with that, all you are doing is alienating people. I am not promoting beating people up with God's word. What I am promoting is letting the word of God change you. And then relationally, when we come into people that are not in alignment with God's word, God says, hey, listen, look at this person over here. All of a sudden, again, what did I say in the beginning? We, we don't pay for a mediocrity. We pay for excellence. We see it. It's attractive. It draws us in. How much better would you be next year this time if you got God's word in your heart and all of a sudden, man, there's something different about that guy. I don't even know what it is, but I'm attracted to that. I want to get in front. Would you come have coffee with me and tell me what, what's going on in your life? There's been so much transformation in you. I just don't even know where it comes. And then all of a sudden he said, let me tell you what it is. It's not the $10 billion of help books. It's it's one book that's inspired by a living God that's active and alive in my life and has totally rearranged who I am. Is anybody getting this in their spirit today? You see, it's only, it's the only weapon that will defeat the lies of the enemy. The only weapon the enemy has is a lie. Do you realize that? The only thing he can do is come in and speak lies into your life. And the only thing that defeats the lies of the enemy is the word of God applied to your life. Think about it. His word tells us this, 2 Corinthians 10.5, take captive our thoughts. Romans 12.1, renew your mind. Attack toxic attitudes, thoughts, behaviors of the heart. Extinguish fiery darts of the enemy. Ephesians 6.16, build up your faith. The Bible helps us with all these things. And we're going to talk about them more over the next few weeks together. But listen, I'm closing this right now. If you've missed everything else I've said this morning, if you missed everything that I've just shared with you, don't miss this. Better is not in you. It's in Jesus. Better You will never arrive at better in your own strength, in your own power, in no matter how many of those $10 billion worth of help books you read, you will never arrive there. It's not in you, it is in Jesus. And that is why we have to get God's word. Let just go with me to John chapter one real quick. Why is this, why are you beating this up, Pastor John? Why are you talking, listen, because maybe you just need a reminder of what this is. John chapter one. Verse 1, what does it say? It says this, that in the beginning was what the, come on, help me Christians in the room. In the beginning was the 
word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was the word in the beginning and all things created through him and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was the, was the life and the life was the light of man. That light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. Skip all the way down and it says this. It says, let me find it here. Verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Better is not in you. Better is not in an eight-week series. Better is in Jesus, and he became alive. It was written by him and through him, and he is in you wanting to transform you into something greater than you can even imagine. Where do I start? Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I know who I'm talking to this morning. And I think everybody's secure on this. But can I tell you the other people that I know that I'm talking to in this room today? Some of us are challenged by applying this to our hearts and our minds. And that we get duped by the devil week after week, month after month, year after year, and God's just saying, listen, I've got the blueprint, guys. I've got the answer. You're searching for better in your life, and it's right here, and it's alive. I, not only did I write it, not only did I breathe it, but I sent it. <laughs> I sent it so that you don't have to struggle in your own righteousness because my righteousness is good enough for you. That's what it is. Can I pray for you this morning? Father, I thank you that in this room there's revelation of your word. Holy Spirit, would you just speak to us for a moment? How do we apply this to our life this morning? I just sense in my spirit that the Holy Spirit's before I, I dismiss you, before we leave. We got a few minutes here. We're, we're ahead of schedule a little bit. I just sense in my spirit that, that the Holy Spirit's just, there's a time of repentance right here. A time where we as believers, men and women that confess and believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, there's no doubt of that. But we, there's a time where God's just calling us as a church as individuals to repentance for forsaking his word applied to our life or for taking it for granted. Maybe that's you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or do anything like that, but I just want to pray over us today. Father, I just pray, Father, would you forgive us for the times we've let your word become common. We've let it become just another self-help book that sits on a shelf and forget that it's alive and that it's active and that it's inside of us because Jesus and his Holy Spirit dwell within us. Father, would you forgive us for the moments, for the periods, for the seasons 
where we've let this become way too common. Because Father, it is the holy word of God. It's holy, it's set apart from everything else. So God, would you give us a new revelation of that in our life? And Father, would you lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake? And let us liberally apply and continually apply your word to our hearts, to our minds, to our life, to our families, to our careers, so that, Father, that you can lead us in righteousness. We love you. We repent, God. We return to you this morning. We declare that your word has a place in our life. Father, for those of us that said we're too busy, Father, we repent. Your word has a place in our life. Let it come alive. For those of us that have used the excuse that, Father, we don't understand, Father, make it come alive. Your word says it's alive. Make it come alive as we pour our hearts into it this season. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said, amen.